And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host, as always, Mr. Luke Giaconetti, and I have a very, very special guide and episode for you all tonight. I am currently in my car. I am on the Mobile Studio Mark III as I am heading to the theater and we are going to see Shin Godzilla on the big screen. I am so excited. I have been just jazzed for this. It's been a real challenge getting through work today. Uh, <laughs> I had lunch today with my buddy Adam who went and saw it last night. That didn't help uh, <laughs> insofar as getting me hyped up for this movie. I am, I am just bursting at the seams with excitement right now. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's such a rare thing for, to, for, well, it's a relatively rare thing just to get a Daikaiju movie on the big screen, but an opportunity to see a, a uh, you know, a, a Japanese giant monster film in Japanese on subtitles on the big screen, you can't pass it up. The fact that it is an extremely well-reviewed and well, um, successful, successful grossing film uh, that generally has been getting really good reviews is just gravy. That it's Godzilla on top of all that is just the ultimate as far as I'm concerned. <clears throat> now, um, I went yesterday on, um, this is Thursday as I'm recording this, I went on Wednesday and bought my ticket because some early reports coming out from uh, different uh, folks around the country were of some shows selling out. And in fact, my friend Adam, is, who was at the same theater that I am going to last night, said it was a full house. So uh, you might want to go to Fandango if you're going to go see it on Saturday or perhaps on next Tuesday. And you uh, might want to go to Fandango or maybe swing by the box office and uh, secure your seat uh, to make sure you get an opportunity to get in the door. Um, Again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's hard to put into words. I've, you know, and we've talked about this on Earth Destruction Directive before. Uh, the last Godzilla film, Japanese Godzilla film I saw on the big screen was Godzilla 2000, you know, which was <laughs> a remarkable 16 years ago. And uh, obviously that one was in English uh, dubbed, not uh, subtitled as this one is going to be. Um, so I'm very excited, very much looking forward to it. I got a, um, you know, at the theater that I'm going to, this is the, uh, uh, the Regal 20 here in Greenville, South Carolina. It's about five minutes from my office. In fact, that's where I'm coming from right now, uh, is my office. And it's, it's a good theater. You know, uh, we, this is where we typically go to see Rift Tracks. Uh, although, to be fair, the Rift Tracks of Mothra was at the Regal Theater, which is actually in Simpsonville, South Carolina, a bit closer to home for me. But, um, you know, no matter, it's still within, uh, you know, uh, I mean, a 15-minute drive from my house, five-minute drive from my office, you know, unlike some folks. My brother, for instance, uh, you know, the closest theater to him where he is in New York, I want to say was in Yonkers, which is, I mean, that, that's a trek to get to. That's not a, a hop, skip, and a jump like I've got here. So I've got absolutely nothing to complain about. 
And he, even if I, you know, when the original list of theaters came out, uh, the closest one was in Columbia, South Carolina, which is about an hour away. And it's like, you know what? If I had to drive an hour to see Shin Godzilla on the big screen, I was doing it. And, you know, nothing was going to stop me. I made sure I wasn't traveling for work. You know, I, I had to really work the schedule, uh, the home schedule, to make sure that nobody had a birthday party or a soccer game or, uh, you know, that you know, wife was going to be out of the house or anything like that. This, that's how, why, how I ended up uh, going tonight. This was the one night that all the stars aligned um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm able to go out to the movies and uh, spend some quality time with the King of the Monsters. So I am uh, just about pulling into the theater now. I'm pulling up on it. I've got a couple of lights I got to get through and then I'll be there. So what I'm going to do is I am going to uh, I'm gonna go see the movie and then we're going to be back after the movie with some thoughts and uh, some uh, opinions about Shin Godzilla. So hope everybody uh, will stick with us and we will be right back. Okay, we are back here on Earth Destruction Directive, and all I have to say is, holy crap, that was intense. That was a exciting, intense, amazing movie I just watched. That is, wow. I, I tell you what, what, what's amazing is not only how different it is from a lot of other <coughs> uh, previous entries in the Godzilla series, but the things that are the same, that, that's always the thing that always astounds me about um, you know, a new film like this, is what's, what's different, but really what's the same? You know, this, this was, uh, you know, some people online are calling this Godzilla versus Japan, uh, because it's very much you know, in that mold of Godzilla and the, uh, the SBF and the, the nation of Japan. And, and I can see that, but man, this, this has so many similarities in theme and context to Godzilla 54, to Godzilla 1984, uh, even even in some cases uh, Godzilla 2014. Uh, there, there's lots of references to the, the, the series. Oh man, just, just really a great film. Alright, first off, let me say that if you are planning on going to see this, uh, as I said earlier, either on uh, the Saturday show or the show next Tuesday, and you're running a little late, don't worry because there was, without hyperbole, 20 solid minutes of trailers and commercials before the film started. Uh, the show was at 7 o'clock. Uh, I think the film actually unspooled at like 7.22, I think is what, uh, what my watch said. So if you're running a few minutes late, it's okay. Uh, as for the trailers themselves, we saw a trailer for Assassin's Creed. Now, I'm not um, much of a video gamer nowadays other than... Uh, I think my GBA and my three, uh, my 2DS, I don't even have a 3DS. So, eh, it looked like a video game. Do with that what you will. Um, we saw the trailer for Doctor Strange, which I am super excited about. I have not been this excited about a Marvel movie since Iron Man 3. That's a shoot. Uh, we saw a trailer for a film called A Monster Calls, which is based on a novel. Kind of a uh, child's fantasy sort of thing, but very adult uh, kind of approach to it looks looked pretty interesting. We saw the new trailer for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which I'm not super interested in. I'm not really the biggest Harry Potter fan, but it appears to have a griffin in it, and admittedly not as cool a griffin as we got in the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, but I do, I do like my griffins. Um, we saw a trailer for Arrival, 
which stars Hawkeye and Lois Lane. Uh, that's about my main takeaway from that. And uh, then we did get the new trailer for Rogue One, uh, but there are other folks on this network who will probably discuss uh, Star Wars in a more in-depth manner if you'd like to listen to that. Now, as far as Shin Godzilla, um, as I said, it's, it's, I was really impressed by this. It's very much a product of 2016, and it's very much a product of modern Japan and the modern world. I think that's something that cannot be overstated, is that, you know, there's, um, especially the Showa films, we got away from this a little bit in the Heisei and the Millennium films, but the Showa films kind of, you know, that not only were they products of their time, but they, in certain ways, they exist sort of as a, um, oh, how do I put it, almost a, uh, um, a utopian or a perfection sort of view of Japanese culture and society. Yes, there is... Uh, um, you know, characters that are obviously villainous characters that are Japanese who act in their own interest, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, one of the things that we see repeated uh, many times in the Showa films is the, nat the, the correct order, the ba balance of law and order, science and government and military all working together, and that being the, uh, the nimawashi, if you will, the aligning of the roots that uh, saves the day and brings order back from chaos. Whereas this film, and uh, spoilers on, I'm not going to spoil too much, but there are spoilers on, so if you don't want to hear it, uh, anything more, uh, I just know that this film gets uh, top marks from me and, and you can move on. Uh, but um, this film is very much an indi a indictment of the Japanese government, of Japanese bureaucracy, of this, again, the, the very concept I just said of Nimawashi, of, you know, of everything having so many layers and so many... Uh, channels that it has to go through and you know and so many different uh, you know legalities upon legalities upon legalities especially in the face of a crisis um, you know at one point after surveying uh, Godzilla's destruction after his first appearance they say well in, in two hours this is the damage that he caused and uh, they say well we had two hours to prepare and we didn't really accomplish anything and it's a, a big disappointment so, you know, it's a very political in that sense, and I think kind of the takeaway, the main takeaway, is uh, do as you please, which is a very important phrase in the film, and it speaks towards uh, not only the, you know, doing what is the right thing to do and not worrying about bureaucracy and status and age and the established pecking order, but also for Japan as a nation to don't be a puppet of the United States, don't you know, automatically cow to what the UN says and stand up for yourself and do as you please. And, uh, you know, considering it's, there's a phrase that's thrown around in here. It says the post-war lasts forever. You know, we talk about the post-war Japan. I mean, post-war Japan has existed for 70 years now. So, you know, it, it'll always be post-war Japan. And the relationship that Japan has with, especially with the United States, but also with China and Russia and the international community in general is is a very strong theme in this film and if you know anything about kind of uh, you know current events in this in the relationships between East and West this is this film will reward you with that uh, also one of the major themes that I really liked was the idea of the youth movement and they talk about that uh, there's a group that's put together that is all the troublemakers, all the outcasts, all the lone wolves, nerds, and weirdos, and they're the ones that are effective, not the government, the, the, you know, this big government's going to come and save the day. You know, here in the U.S., we talk about cutting government. Japan's the same way as far as having a bloated 
you know, uh, bureaucratically based system of government. It's worse, really, in, in certain aspects, just because of the. Uh, and, and this is something that plays out because this is obviously a Japanese film. Anytime a new character appears and gets uh, dialogue, their name and title is flashed on the screen. So sometimes it's just rapid fire, one after the other, of all these bureaucrats and officials and secretaries and chiefs and deputies that all have, you know, some role to play in this massive, uh, you know, government response to, to Godzilla. Uh, I am predicting that especially in what I uh, dubbed the geek press, you know, your sites like Newsarama and uh, io9 and, you know, Kotaku and all those that are going to review this film that are basically fan sites. And, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, or as opposed to, you know, like uh, newspaper outlets and, and, you know, more media of that type. We're going to hear some of the same criticisms, I think, that we heard about Godzilla 2014. Mainly, not enough Godzilla, not enough action. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, and, and, and this is going to sound really catty and elitist, and I don't mean it that way at all, so please just hear me out. It's something that I think is the difference between the casual Godzilla fan and the more hardline, hardcore Godzilla fan, is that casual Godzilla fans want to see the spectacle. They want to see the monsters smashing each other and, and tearing apart a city and all that, whereas... I think the more uh, hardcore Godzilla fans understand a bit more of, uh, you know, what the series is really about. God, there's very few Godzilla films actually about Godzilla, uh, and this is not one of them. Uh, this, like I said, this falls in line with Godzilla 54, with Godzilla 84, that this is a film about Japan and about the nature of, the, of Japan and the Japanese people, and Godzilla represents something that is thrown at them. In this case, he is... You know, he's described as being, uh, you know, in some ways he's worse than a natural disaster. But then someone will turn around and say, well, unlike a natural disaster, we can, we can kill this. This is a creature. So, you know, it's, it, but, it, but again, ultimately, it's not about Godzilla destroying the city. There's plenty of carnage that takes place in this film. Some of it is just astounding in scale. Absolutely astounding. And some of it is just so visually interesting. Um... You know, uh, I, I've, um, I've I've been reading a couple of different uh, Daikaiju books lately. One I talked about here previously on the show is, uh, you know, uh, The Critical History of the Godzilla Filmography by David Callett. And then the other is called um, um, a Daikaiju, uh, Daikaiju Film. And I don't have the author in front of me, but it's another book from McFarlane Press. And uh, both of them talk about in that the idea that a lot of times a Japanese film and the Godzilla films are no exception, is that realism is not necessarily the goal sometimes with the special effects. Sometimes it's simply to create an arresting and astounding image. And we get several instances of that here, of just imagery that is bizarre and beautiful and strange and wonderful all at the same time. Uh, very early in the film, as Godzilla is moving through uh, various uh, rivers moving into uh, mainland but still traveling underwater he's pushing along countless boats and debris along with him it's everything that's caught up being pushed in the uh, wake in front of him it's just oh it, it's it's crazy and then towards the middle of the film when Godzilla you know unleashes again big spoilers here when Godzilla unleashes the atomic beam it, it, it's like art. It, it really is, you know. A, a lot of folks, very rightfully, 
point to the first time that Godzilla uses the atomic beam in uh, GMK, where it cuts away and we see the mushroom cloud on the horizon. This is very different from that, but the same sort of approach, really showing the power and the scope of, of this weapon that Godzilla unleashes. Um, I, and as I, I said, you know, this I'm repeating myself a bit because I'm coming straight out of the theater. I don't really have any notes or anything written down. Jason Barr, I want to say, is the name of the author of the, the book that I was referring to, Daikaiju Film, earlier, which is a very good book. It's worth checking out. I'll have a, a more in-depth review of that on, a, on an actual episode, but, um, you know, be that as it may. I, I, w I really enjoyed this. I had a, a blast. The soundtrack. Oh, let me talk about the soundtrack. There's not much of one. Which, again, if you're familiar with Japanese film, that's not unusual. Um, but a lot of the cues are reused from older films. We, of course, get lots of, uh, of cuts and themes from uh, Godzilla 54. At one key sequence, we get a, a, you know, a bit of music from Terror of Mechagodzilla, which I thought was fantastic. It came and really brought a smile to my face. The Monster Zero March makes an appearance. Um, in the end credits, we not only get the theme to Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, we get the Monster Zero March again, then we get the main theme to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 93, which is a classic, uh, you know, one of the best themes of the Heisei era. Uh, so the, the, the music is, is great. The sound effects, the sound effects, I'm pretty sure, with very few exceptions, all sound lifted directly from the Showa era. The, and this may just be a, a case of using Toho's stock library of sound effects, but uh, the sounds of the chopper blades on all the helicopters. And as an aside, if you're a helicopter fan like me, this movie's like a wet dream. I'll get to that in one second. The sound of missiles fire, Godzilla's roar, all these things are classic Toho sound effects. And if you are a Showa fan, and if you're listening to Earth Destruction Directive, I suspect you probably have at least a soft spot for the show a period, if not an outright fan, then you will definitely appreciate the use of sound effects in this film and the old school sound effects. Now, getting back to what I was talking about as far as helicopters, I am a helicopter fan. There's plenty of both, um, you know, attack helicopters, scout helicopters, uh, transport, heavy lifting helicopters, all sorts of stuff. But if you like military hardware, this is a movie for you. We get to see all sorts of Japanese and and a bit of American military hardware, attack helicopters, fighter jets, tanks, uh, artillery guns, long-range missile units, uh, you know, uh, just APCs, all sorts of stuff. And what's, what's you know, it's kind of a step up from when we, the you know, the JSDF always uh, in a, uh, would cooperate with filming of these um, of the Godzilla films in the show and Heisei and Millennium eras, where they would allow the filmmakers to come and film them doing uh, maneuvers or drills in order to get footage. Well, they they take it to the next level here. There's just some absolute great, uh, great shots here. There's a, there's a few instances of what are pretty most likely stock footage, primarily of the American stuff, but it's still welcome. And uh, yeah, but there's a lot of hardware on display here. So if you like your military uh, hardware, you are going to enjoy that aspect of the film. Um, as far as the effects, uh, now much like the live action Attack on Titan, the effects are a mix of practical effects with CG enhancement. And I think they're great. I mean, on the big screen, they really stood out. Now Godzilla, ironically, kind of like a Heisei film, Godzilla goes through several forms in this film. The first time we see him, he's kind of flopping around, crawling on his belly. And 
he almost looks comical to the point that there was a couple of people behind me that just kept laughing at him. But uh, part of the story is Godzilla's ability to mutate and to evolve. And he very soon stands upright and then uh, any comedic part of his look is gone. Uh, I'm sure at this point everyone has seen images of the new Godzilla suit and what he looks like. He's essentially a zombie is what he looks like. It is, it, it's hard to describe. It's unlike any Godzilla suit uh, that has come before. The way that, uh, that this looks is really great. And uh, I feel that they did a very good job of bringing him to life. Uh, the uh, composition of the physical effects and the CG effects, I think, works very well. Uh, the beam is very, its like as, as I'm sure you may have heard, it's purple, but I'm not going to spoil beyond that. The beam itself is, is really well done and is very effective. Overall, the effects are, are very well done. Uh, especially considering, again, the relatively low budget of this film uh, relative to, you know, the American Godzilla and other, uh, you know, large special effects films that we get here in the U.S. Godzilla himself, I really liked that I can get my hands on the Bandai um, U.S. Uh, vinyl because, man, I can't wait to get a, a Shin Godzilla in my collection. He looks great. Gushing here, so I'm going to wrap this up. There's a, another show on Saturday the 15th at 12 o'clock Eastern, and then another show uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, I guess that would be the 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're not in Eastern, you might want to check Fandango because I'm not sure if they're changing the times or not. Uh, if you're a Godzilla fan, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. Just a, a great film, a great experience. Seeing it on the big screen was, was just amazing, and I really had a lot of fun. And that's kind of the highest marks I can give. Now, we'll be back next time with a full episode of Earth Destruction Directive. But until then, keep them stomping and do as you please. This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast, produced and created by me, Luke Giaconetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at twotruefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you'd like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I'll read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find the show on iTunes. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave an iTunes review if you want. You can get in touch with the show on Facebook. Just search for Earth Destruction as the first name and Directive as the last name. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter with the handle LJacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. And if you want to buy something discussed on the show, head on over to twotruefreaks.com and click on the Amazon.com link on the front page. Any items you buy during your session on Amazon.com will help keep the lights on, and it won't cost you anything extra. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun on Earth Destruction Directive. Two
Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF <laughs> moment if I ever saw one. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible. It's walking around the car. Naturally, naturally, you want to walk behind a car that's backing up. That's the way we do it. That is the way we do it. Don't look where you're going. Screw that noise. All right, let's roll.